0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand.
1: It's Purple Daily. has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers.
2: Three! Red, red, red! Red poly! Blue poncho!
1: In rapid fire fashion.
0: Gun flex right stack. 394 dragon smoke.
1: It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 980! 397!
0: All right, it is that time again. We do it every day here. Hot routes on Purple Daily. Zolgad forced his way in the door. Judd, aren't you busy covering a GM
3: firing? For I'm writing a column
2: right now on Paul Fenton. This I'm is, writing a column right now. Do we
3: have a headline? Could you at least uh, tease what the headline? Is it capital
2: letters Zolgad? Uh, uh, it's it's not, always capital letters Zolgad. Yeah, it's going to be, be capital letters Zolgad because it's definitely a column. I just got done with the text portion. And now I'm trying to think of the most New York Posty head that I can, and I'm going to come up with it, and then it's going to absolutely get mashed online. Judd writing a
0: column while doing Hot Routes is the most on-brand thing that has happened here today. (laughs) All right, well, ramp up the music, Jonathan. We're not waiting for you, Judd. We're going to get right into it with Hot Routes. Andrew Luck, everyone is not going to play in the Colts' first preseason game because of a calf injury, and he says that it is not a Kevin Durant situation, a fake calf injury that was actually an Achilles injury that turned into an Achilles tear. Everyone believes that Andrew Luck will be fine, and there is absolutely zero reasons for Andrew Luck ever playing in the preseason. We'll get to more on that a little later. Um, Last year, he was fantastic under Frank Reich. You couldn't have asked for anything more than... A 98 quarterback rating, 39 touchdown passes, the best PFF rating of his career. He was an elite quarterback last season. Tell me, friends, assuming he stays healthy and there's no Achilles injury, keeps the same trajectory, will Andrew Luck someday be a Hall of Fame quarterback?
3: Yes. They were a mess before he got there. And then what is it now? They've gone 35 and 20 since. They brought him in as a rookie, as a first-round pick. Aside from 2015, I think the argument against Andrew Luck, which I understand from people who don't think he will make the Hall of Fame, is, yeah, well, he had a really good, you know, rushing offense, and he threw a lot of touchdowns, and, you know, he had playoff games where he got there and they got blown out. Well, take a look at everything else that he's done, the body of work, where they were last year in the season, he comes back from the shoulder injury. Um... I think I think you have to put him in there. I think that we're seeing just the beginning of what Andrew Luck, like picking up where he was at 40 touchdown season in 2014. That's Those are Patrick Mahomes-type numbers, and if you're going to put Patrick Mahomes in that conversation, I think that he has to be there, too.
2: I'm concerned that he gets hurt again at some point here, but if not, Courtney's exactly right. Hall of Fame talent, without a doubt. That team was... This is, this is one of the most under-talked-about Viking stories to me in Vikings history. All you had to do was completely tank. You yep. won in Washington the day Adrian got hurt because Christian Ponder got hurt, and Joe Webb, God bless him, nice guy. But Joe <laughs> Webb came in and won you that game. If, if uh, the Carolina kicker doesn't miss that kick and you lose in Washington, you've got one win, and I believe in that scenario
1: you've got... Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck is without shadow of a doubt a Hall of Fame talent. Yeah. I think, yeah, I agree with you guys. He's absolutely a Hall of Fame talent. You look at his record, you look at his numbers, you look at everything that he's done with the Colts so far besides the injury, and he changes that team when he's back and healthy and playing for them. He's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer at the end of his career. 53-33
0: 53-33 and 33 in his career so far. He's really only had one bad year. That's when he had the shoulder injury in 2015. And you can kind of throw that out when you're trying to play through a shoulder injury. The one concern I would have, and I, I think that he is a Hall of Fame quarterback, and once Roethlisberger is gone, once Tom Brady is gone, it will be Mahomes' luck I think could be the new Brady and Manning, where they're going at it every single AFC Championship weekend. But so far, and it's only eight games, Andrew Luck has not played very well in the playoffs. And if you're going to take that next step, if you're going to be the top quarterback in the NFL way up there, then he's going to have to be a little bit better than a 73 quarterback rating in the playoffs so far in his career. It just hasn't gone super well for him in the postseason. That's kind of the yeah, next bo- thing he has to accomplish.
3: Cannot get blown out in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, outside of you know what they did last year against the Texans in the first round. You cannot. The other performances that they've had in the playoffs as previous years were just disappointing. You have ne- to win it.
0: Our next hot route, Ryan Fitzpatrick has reportedly, actually according to the coach, Been the better quarterback in camp so far. I'm trying not to laugh at this. I'm just like, (laughs) really? Ryan Fitzpatrick is still doing this to somebody? Um, But he's taking all the uh, early first-team reps over Josh Rosen in Miami with the Miami Dolphins, and um, they're doing fine. They've fired their offensive line coach already a couple of days into
3: padded practices, as one does. Um, And pad level must have just been awesome. That's
0: right, yeah. I mean, uh, those techniques on the pulls and the gaps and the other things that happen... um, (laughs) Do you guys think that, A, the Vikings should still have their eye on Josh Rosen? And, B, if you were a competing team and your quarterback went down,
2: which would you rather have, Fitz or Rosen? All right. A, yes, I would. I think the Dolphins, I'm sorry, but it's another Belichick disciple whole thing, right? I, these things go really, really wrong off the rails. So, yes, if I'm the Vikings. Kirk Cousins going into year two. There's a fighting chance this ain't going to work, and, and you're going to have to replace him. And Josh Rosen, I think, could be a good quarterback. So keep an eye on Absolutely. B, right now, competing team, probably fits magic because I can get three great games. Exactly what I, I was I can get three g- great games. Josh, I don't know for sure.
3: The Josh Rosen thing, keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on everybody. That's just where I'll leave it with Kirk Cousins. You just don't know. Big big anomaly, whatever. I don't know. It depends on what time of the season is my quarterback going down. Is it week eight? Because I'm not bringing in Fitz Magic after he's played three games because you've run out of magic at that point. Maybe <laughs> four a, games. I, I'm going to say, um, so I'm yeah. gonna say
0: a, a Bradfordian situation where so someone goes one. down and they're desperate. They think they could still win. And so they start making phone calls.
3: Has Josh Rosen had meaningful reps at this point? Uh, sure. Let's say, let's yeah. say yes. Um, I'm going to go with Josh Rosen. You're always
0: concerned about the reps. You know. So you're always bringing Well, because they don't get reps.
3: They don't. She's right. Gotta I don't, I don't want get somebody coming off the streets, essentially. So yeah, I'll her. go with Josh Rosen.
1: A, yes, I'm keeping an eye on him if I'm the Vikings. The Dolphins are going for Tua next season or in the, in the next draft. So there's no there's not really a spot for Rosen there in the long run. So I'd keep an eye on him. Just if you want a young guy who you don't have to draft, get him young, get him cheap, get him in for the long term. And then B, I'd probably go with Fitzmagic too. Just try my luck there. I'm not going to, I want the experience. I would probably rather have Rosen
0: if I'm the winning team or the team with potential, because if he goes to hell for me, I'm going to get a high draft pick and add to an already good team. Like if we're, if we're, new orleans or something like well okay if he's great then maybe he's my future quarterback and if he's horrendous then we just add another great player to this already great team and yeah i agree with all you guys keep an eye on everything quarterback because you just don't know how this is going to play out Maybe if Kirk Cousins is the quarterback here till he's forty years old, maybe he's only here through the length of his contract, especially with what those negotiations could be like in the uh next attempt at a contract. But that could be under a new C B A. So there's a lot to still be uh, determined there. All right. Our next one. <laughs> Julio Jones says that he is not going to play in the preseasons. Congratulations, Julio Jones. You're a smart human being. I know. He never also doubted said he's you.
3: going to go mess around and go for three thousand yards, so Okay, well,
0: High expectations on himself, I guess. Um, that was That's Adrian-like. Anyway, if you were going to pick one Viking who you could convince Mike Zimmer not to play this player in the preseason because it's too risky and this person is too valuable, you go into Mike's office and you say, Mike, I demand that you do not play
3: player blank. Dalvin do- Cook. I know that okay. he's healthy right now. I know Mike Zimmer said there's no limitations on him. They expect him to be full go because he's shown... Everything he needs to during the preseason, during the offseason, OTAs, minicamp, et cetera, et cetera. But I want you to use your body for me weeks one through 16, not weeks one through four of the preseason at any point.
2: Uh, all right. As I enjoy doing it with Hot Routes, I'm going to get very creative with this one. And I'm going to take away this player not because I'm worried about bodily harm, but because I'm worried about mental harm. Oh man, Dan Bailey, you're not kicking a field goal. (laughs) That's why Dan (laughs) Bailey, you're not coming out to kick a field goal because I can't afford for Mike to see you miss a field goal and for you to melt down after we play the Jacksonville Jaguars on some arbitrary hot August night. This is why you get invited back to Hot (laughs) Rods.
0: Dan Bailey, you're out. Don't worry about it. Not playing so he can stay away from
1: Mike Zimmer. (laughs) In fact, stay home. Watch your TCL. I'm going with a wide receiver here, Stefan Diggs. He's had a problem keeping on the field during the regular season. I don't want him taking risks during the preseason. And if one of those guys go down, either Thielen or Diggs in the regular season, you guys mentioned it yesterday on Purple Daily, you and Chad Graff, if one of those guys go down, the other guy's going to get double teamed. So keep those guys healthy as long as you can. So Diggs was going to
0: be my pick. I don't think he needs any help running any extra routes. And last year he got popped by somebody in the game against Seattle, I think. Right, was going three. over the middle. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, well, this
2: is not. He something tried. He, see. he tried to leap over the tight end in Sunday's full padded practice. Sure did. <laughs> that's that's, that's, well, you was? know what?
3: Rudolph was lucky because he put his head down at the right time. Otherwise, he would have been. Courtney, <laughs> it, I saw that though. Practice like that you was play. D-
2: that was dumb. It
0: was no, dumb. it
3: was not smart. It's I don't need you doing cute that because it worked out okay. Yeah, but it's not smart.
0: That's what I mean. Don't put him out there for preseason that's games. That's fine with me. Bad idea. But Dan I Bailey. also have Xavier Rhodes on this list. Yeah, I was
3: going to put him on mine. If too. the
0: roads are going to be closed this season, then uh, he can't be really. Um, he can't be putting up the barricades while he's limping. <laughs> <laughs> well, he might try. Uh, so I, I say don't bother putting Xavier Rhodes out there for preseason games because if he pulls a hammy or something like that, I'm not sure who's playing cornerback. I think uh, Chris Boyd or Craig James or you know whoever Mo Claiborne, that they'd have to sign, put him in bubble wrap. All right, uh, the Bears activated T.J. Clemmings. Judge, see that they activated. T. I T. knew Clemmings. he was with them. He was on the pup. I didn't list. know he was on the pup. They activated T.J. Clemmings, actual real life, the guy you remember. T.J. Clemmings is still on a football roster in 2009. Freaking Dean, I can't believe this. This is the worst player I've ever Can seen I give you play a games.
2: Old lineman are relief pitchers, especially left-handed Lefties, relief yeah. pitchers, right? They
0: can have a 70RA, right? someone signs them. Like, hey, well, just sign that guy. Even, But even so, I mean, this he was one of the legit worst NFL players I've ever seen. I want you guys to give me a job where you were like TJ Clemmings. You were way over your head. You kept trying because you had to, but it was going very bad, and you knew it.
3: <laughs> I have a few of these. Okay, um, ESPN
0: would be yours.
3: Oh, that's cute. Wow. Um, in college, <laughs> wow, what a- I thought I was going to continue on with my path of being a play-by-play announcer. Oh, okay. Uh, Big Ten Student U was a thing that had just started at Indiana. I believe it's now expanded to all yeah. 14 schools that are in the Big Ten. Um, we were one of the first that got it, and my first play-by-play assignment was to do field hockey. Ooh. I had prepped for it. I had bought books. I had talked to the coaches, the players. I did everything I could. It was not good. It was an absolute disaster. <laughs> can you find this? I'm sure if you, I'm sure there's a DVD with it somewhere. That's how old this was. Um, I was not good, and I kind of realized at that point, okay, play-by-play is probably not in my future. <laughs> Not even even with sports, I do know. I knew nothing about field hockey. I couldn't tell you anything about field hockey now. Um, but yeah, that was. Uh, I, you know, I soldiered on to the end. I didn't just quit in the middle of the broadcast like TJ Clemmings quit on the Vikings in several. Did games, you think about so. walking off? Um, probably crossed my mind, but I didn't. It was I'm going. It was going
0: that badly. That I mean, like, it was just
3: man. like my color person didn't help me either. My analyst well, thanks, did not Kirk. help me either.
2: We, we got Kirk Cousins Jr. here. Really, it right really wasn't my animals. fault. In
3: retrospect, now it wasn't all my fault.
2: The I color analyst didn't run the right route.
3: Yeah, I was. I was trying to like direct him with my arm and stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, Do you want me to go next? Yes. So I, I started working the Star Tribune it was my first real job at the age of nineteen. So, but I can give you. I can give you one here. As a kid, I, I had a, ble- a brief flirtation. So, I, in third grade, I wanted to get into sports journalism, writing, blah, blah, blah. Did you say third grade? Third grade. Jeez. I got an edition of the sporting news at home and I said, This is this is for me. I love this. But then in eighth grade, in I eighth, was
0: like biting the hands off teenage mutant ninja turtle dolls in third grade. Right? I got a I got a sporting
2: news, a complimentary one with like Steve Stone and a couple Orioles pitchers and I thought this is a great job. I'd love to write about sports. But anyway in eighth grade I had a brief and ill Debated, uh flirtation with being a national hockey league goaltender <laughs> now because i was really good in street hockey i was great in street hockey but you don't have to skate in street hockey so i actually signed up my mom signed me up for two goaltending schools the first of which i was i got in there and it was a disaster like i'm crawling around on my pads because i really can't i can skate but not well uh unlike courtney i quit But then I was signed up for a second one, and I basically showed up and said, you know, after much (laughs) self-analysis, I don't want to do this. So, therefore, we paid for it, but cross me off this list. And that was, and then I went back to saying, I think I'll get into either sports broadcasting or journalism.
1: I worked at a home improvement store probably five, six years ago now. And the place they put, the department they put me in was inside Lawn and Garden, so I'm selling lawnmowers. And snow blowers and stuff like that stuff I'd never used because I'd always lived in apartments or townhomes <laughs> where all that stuff was done for us, and so I had no idea of the product that I was selling. It didn't go well. I managed to stick around for long enough to get fired. So, oh, you got yourself fired? Well, because of this job, because I was I couldn't work Sundays and they needed someone to work oh, Sundays.
2: Okay.
1: Oh, so it
0: wasn't because you didn't know the John well, Deere? Yeah. So
1: you faked your
2: way through it?
0: Yeah, R- I faked RPOs my way through it. per minute or
2: whatever. Yeah, for, or just quit. Or quit, courting. <laughs> It's okay to quit. It's
3: It's absolutely okay to quit. It's
2: 2019. Just quit. Um,
0: Okay. So I I would say that I was a pretty decent McDonald's worker. I had no problem with that. Actually, I thought you had a
3: problem with the deep fryer and the fries. um, Wasn't that? Didn't you tell us? I got
0: burned a few times, but everybody does. Uh, I was a good stock clerk slash cart pusher. I did that for a while at a grocery store. I was not good at road construction. Um, I managed to get in trouble doing road construction somehow almost every day, make some egregious mistake when I had a very limited and simple job. It would be like, wave the flag when the cars come. And I cars <laughs> drive by me like, ah, oh, man. <laughs> you know, like, but well, I got the... No? All right. Well, okay. You know, the, the uh, manager said that we weren't supposed to sit in the truck, even though we were out in the middle of nowhere at times. like, why not? So I would just do it anyway, and it, it was a completely disastrous situation, and I was not invited back the following summer. It didn't work out.
2: So you weren't really fired, but you were I was, yeah, not asked I was, I was
0: not asked back. back. Now, I don't think I would have wanted to return because of how bad I was at it, but, yeah, it didn't go so bad. Just like it didn't go so good as TJ Clemming's starting left tackle for the Minnesota it Vikings. It is
2: amazing. You are correct that he still has a job.
0: It really is. I mean, he, out of the 1-100 to 100 scale for pro football-focused grades, if you get, like, a 60, your job might be in jeopardy. And he was a 40 in 2016. All right, final hot route for the day. DK Metcalf said he is trying hard to hang on to a nobody mentality. As if, like, oh, I'm a nobody. It dropped to the second round. And he's going to try to work hard like that. I want you guys to give me DK Metcalf's stat line for 2019 with the Seattle Seahawks.
3: Can I say something first about the nobody thing? Like, I know DK. I've known the kid since he was 14 years old because i worked in Mississippi, covered Oxford High School, followed DK's recruitment, all the whole thing. If I could say something to him right now, it's the whole nobody mentality. Nobody's buying it because you're doing Nesquik commercials. You're at the ESPYs as a rookie, like all this stuff. I mean, I understand, make your money, you know, get endorsement deals while you can. If you want to be a nobody, though, don't do those things. They don't, nothing aligns. They're saying, I want to be the underdog, yet I have probably several hundred thousand dollar endorsement deals with Nesquik. Um, Anyways, in that offense, so what is it? Tyler Lockett and then DK pretty much. And then what, David Moore beyond that? I'll probably... It's pretty thin. It's very thin, but I don't think he's going to top 40 receptions this year. So maybe I'll put him at like 35 and like 500 yards receiving and five touchdowns.
0: Okay. Seems fair. Thanks. Thanks.
2: Conservative pick. I'll put
0: him... Just like
3: your uh, Mr. Mankato pick. That,
2: was, <laughs> that wasn't that was conservative. That was just gutless. That was brilliant. You're playing the odds. Just, this is no. how things in work. Fact, in, in fact... Oh.
0: Why'd you bet on the team that's likely and I, to win? I don't know. Phil
2: and I had a discussion... Yesterday, I believe the third round picks now, especially if they're skill position guys, are going to be taken out of that from now on. Be- I because by the rules. he wrecked it. Well, right, because it's you no. Know, I know you played by the rules, but it's but it's boring now. Like we you're gonna win. We don't know that. We don't know
0: that. I think Chris said that they're a favorite is hey, never. Won. I'm not
2: blaming you. I'm blaming Chris us. Chris said a favorite is never one. Yeah, our rules. Our rules are flawed. I'm yeah. almost
0: picking an underdog by picking the favorite. Matthew,
2: okay? it's not your fault. <laughs> It's not your hey, fault. I think it's
3: his fault. I think it's gutless, but
2: whatever. Oh, it was Godless. gutless. That's for sure. <laughs> it took no intestinal fortitude whatsoever to make oh, that pick. All
0: right, you just picked <laughs> a guy based on his
2: name, so. DK Metcalf. Um, he is going to have 32 receptions for 484 yards and two touchdowns. Those are the 2011 statistics for Sidney Rice in Seattle, and I think they're very similar to what this kid is going to do. They're not great. They're not awful, right? For a rookie, they're okay.
3: For a second round pick, that's fine. They're, I'd be okay, okay with that. But if he wants to be a nobody and then all of a sudden no, show right. everybody out, those are not. I like, the insight. Not big I like the insight you brought there. Welcome.
2: That was good.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle here. 30 catches, 400 yards, four touchdowns for the guy. He's they don't have they're missing they don't have Doug Baldwin anymore. It's Tyler Lockett now and basically him and David Moore, as Courtney said. So there's a lot of receptions there to be had, but I don't see him getting that many. All right,
0: since you guys all picked the same exact stat line, great job, everyone. I'm going to go off the board here. I did research. I'm going to say that DK Metcalf ends up with, in week one, a 75-yard touchdown, and everyone declares that it was the greatest and smartest and most brilliant move of all time to draft him in the second round, and then after that, he doesn't do anything. I'm going to say that DK Metcalf, despite all of the hype around him and everything else, was... Dropped to the second round for reasons. And one of those reasons is that he can't run a route. Can't slow down. That he will get 13 catches. One of them will be for 75 yards, so he'll average a good amount of yards per catch. But I'll go with like 215 yards, one touchdown in week one. And then we'll never score one again. That is my prediction for DK Metcalf. Wow. Okay, then. That's aggressive. Are you leaving? Do you have hockey things to do, Judd? Are you staying? What are you doing?
2: I have to go... Complete my Paul Fenton column. Okay. Which is.
3: Do we have a title yet?
2: Yeah. Yep.
3: Can we hear it on air?
2: Yeah. What is it? Fenton's firing is right move, but has Leopold learned his lesson?
3: Shots mm. at the owner.
2: I don't I'd, know. I'd, oh, you don't like it?
3: Well, Stop. first off, you didn't. Is there a Zolgad in front of it? Like of course,
0: just, there is. it okay. needs
2: a little more color. It should be like
0: that's okay. not. That's not a New York okay. Post
3: headline. Yeah. If you're looking yeah, yeah, for like-
2: I feel like you're right. How about like you know what? I'm going to work on it. I wild. feel like you're
0: right. Owner
3: keeps screwing up. Paul <laughs> 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 Fenton, <Puffin> another casualty. <laughs>
2: yeah, wild
0: nail it oh, you by know what pushing I him in a coffin. Actually,
2: you know what? I need the word mess. Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm going yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm to work with yeah. the guys. Disaster, you guys. mess, if you could fit
3: a fund disa-
0: there.
2: It's not really a disaster. It's a mess.
3: I mean, firing a GM after one year. That's, fired, a, mess. that's a mess. It's that's not not a mess. It's not a disaster. Disaster would be the, what little I know about the Minnesota Wild. You and I were talking about like the Jason Zucker thing and the contract and the implications of getting rid of it. Yeah,
2: disaster is such a strong word, but I think mess is good because it tweaks you. Yeah, I think it's yeah. pretty good. Okay, messy. thanks you guys. I appreciate the yeah. help.
3: Okay, bye Judd. All right, we'll be right back and
0: uh, I've got a theory. For you, that this whole thing about Kirk Cousins and how much better he's going to be protected rests on one human being on the offensive line. I'm going to tell you about that. When we return, you are listening to Purple Daily on Score North.
1: Join me and Dan Terhart for Score North's coverage of Minnesota United and the Portland Timbers this Sunday afternoon with the pregame at 2:30 and kick at 3 right here on Score North on am1500scorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app.
0: I think he's done done well. Um, he's a he's a battler. Uh, seems like he's you know he's been in this, in some of the system before so I, I think he's he hasn't had any mental errors to my knowledge. Uh, so I think he's doing well. All right, that was Mike Zimmer back here on uh, Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And luckily for you, Courtney, I remember what I teased, which was there is one person on the offensive line who I believe holds the keys to either them being pretty decent and protecting Kirk Cousins in a um, respectable manner, because I don't think that they're going to be one of the best offensive lines, but respectable is possible. Or they could be very meh a lot of the same as last year and struggle quite a bit because Kirk cousins, as we've seen in training camp, um, did not change his pocket presence over a couple of months. He still pats the ball in the pocket. He still doesn't really move or throw. You know, one thing that we haven't really mentioned a lot is guys who just throw before they're supposed to. Like I was watching a Kirk cousins play on film from the other day that somebody did a film analysis on YouTube. So I was just going through it and he drops to the exact right spot. There's no question about it that he just took exactly as many steps as he was supposed to. But whatever player it was, I think it was against the Packers, beat Rashad Hill right from the very outset. Just gone, coming right at Kirk Cousins. And it really wouldn't have been difficult to stop and slide a little bit to the right, and the guy runs right by you. But instead, he just keeps dropping right back to the exact spot and then gets hit. It's like, well...
3: Well, he's in his spot. He's doing what he is supposed to do. Right, and that's... It's the called that, improvising. It's you know, not going to change. Yes. So
0: you got to block way better. It's, mm-hmm. it's really that simple. I think Brian O'Neill and whether he takes a next step at right tackle or not, is holding the keys to this offensive line. Riley Reef is not going to be suddenly great. Breaking news. And Pat Elfline at guard, I think he'd be good. Garrett Bradbury is going to have a lot of work out ahead of him with the defensive lines in the NFC North, especially now with Mike Daniels in Detroit. And Josh Klein is probably not going to be very good because I mean he just hasn't been in a while.
3: Are you writing him in at right guard right I now am, for week yeah. one? Okay. I don't
0: think there's any shot Drew Samia pushes him for that job. Not so, yet, Maybe. I would be stunned if that happened. I mean, they spent kind of a lot of money to get Josh. I mean, yeah, Klein. they
3: guaranteed him quite a bit. Um but he, Brian, he is gonna play. Yeah, I think you're right on about Brian O'Neill. <clears throat> Just from what we've seen from him in such a limited uh limited basis so far. We talked to Mike Zimmer on Monday and he said, Yeah, like he came in here, he's he's beefed up a little bit. He still wants to see him put about ten more pounds on, but he actually now Looks like an NFL player, so if he's standing next to Riley Reeve, for Hill, Aviant Collins might be a little bit of the miss, uh, the outlier there, just because he is a big dude. But he actually looks size wise like the other tackles, um, so that's good. I mean, you, you expected that, where a guy who was a converted tight end in 2015 to where he's at right now as a right tackle in the NFL. I think body wise he's fine. It's just going to be a matter of skill set. Last year, yeah, he wasn't credited with giving up a sack, but he got pushed into the quarterback a whole lot um, and struggled, as most would expect a second-round rookie tackle to do. But the hope and the belief is that nastiness, that that mentality, and just kind of everything that Mike Zimmer is talking about, he saw come on at the end of the season, that carrying over into this year. And, you know, I watched him in some one-on-ones yesterday. You're not going to be trying to kill your teammates, um and I but Daniel Hunter did lose a rep to him after he dismantled Brian on one rep right before that, but he's probably going what seventy percent speed and he lost the rep and I could tell he wasn't really thrilled about it, but he you know slapped him on the helmet and seemed seemed to kind of indicate okay Brian O'Neill's doing the right things he's holding his own I mean I think that you know maybe defending against a bull rush might be still a little bit tough when you're not huge but you're getting there. I think that's all Vikings fans can be, you know, happy about right now. You're getting there with Brian O'Neill. He came in
0: as a guy who was interesting last year because he had the potential to be a very good player, but dropped to the second round for a reason: a lack of experience, having been a tight end before, the lack of weight that you uh, normally would need in order to play right tackle in the NFL. But now, with the system change this should help an athletic tight end quite a bit and they were practicing a lot of their screen passes yesterday where I thought that was points left on the field lacking the screen passes last season and and so they were doing that in practice yesterday and and my thought was just this is perfect for Brian O'Neal to get him moving left to right to get him moving up the field because he's so big in terms of length and he's got a great uh, athletic profile he's really fast 98th percentile in the 40 and and that's a guy Whose skills that you don't just hope he holds up you feel like you want to be able to use yeah now the big question for me is if riley reef gets injured do they move brian o'neill over to left tackle and play for riley reef or do you leave him at right tackle and play rashad hill is you know who's going to win the backup job there i assume hill's going to be on the team but i mean i think he has the potential here to take over that left tackle job eventually. I don't know if it would happen this year if Reef struggled or got hurt, but I I think that that exists. And if they found their left tackle in the second round, then they've done very well for themselves. Now, the other side of the coin here is if Brian O'Neal, as you said, gets shoved back into the quarterback every other rep like he did last year or every other snap, then you're talking about not a whole lot of confidence that he could be anything more than an average player and you're talking about a quarterback who's not going to move. <laughs> it's just and that and that's why I think that it really rests almost entirely on Brian O'Neill. I think I've got a good idea of what the other linemen are going to bring, and you know that Riley Reef is going to struggle at times when he faces great edge rushers. It's just can O'Neill be that shutdown guy on the other side and um, be better than they were last year? Because Kirk does not sense the outside pressure.
3: No, and I mean his peripherals there. I think quarterbacks when, when I was writing that story for last week, and just talking with Dan Orlovsky, VSPN and an NFL analyst, we were just talking about the why the middle of the offensive line and the upgrade that the Vikings made at center, drafting Garrett Bradbury, moving Pat Offline, having somebody you think would be better or at least at least not as bad as Mike Remmers at right guard. It's because it's hard to step up into a pocket when you feel when you have no confidence. Quarterbacks can sense stuff on the edge just fine. The peripheral, I mean, I know you're shaking your head can there. I know with, with, with this quarterback, I,
0: I don't know. With this quarterback,
3: I'm not so sure that it comes as easy, but on the screen passes, how many, think about that Miami game last year. Wasn't that a pick six when he can't sense the pressure off the left edge and whoever it was intercepts it? Was it Miami or was it Arizona? Um, one of the two. I think you're
0: talking about Arizona.
3: Yes. Well, one of two really bad teams, but that was the prime example of what happens when you know you're not great at sensing pressure, and your tackle is not great at helping you out in that circumstance, and and kind of masking your mistakes. So I'm not really sure that even if Brian O'Neill is that much better, we're going to see that much difference uh, with Kirk Cousins. I think that O'Neill can take all the strides, Riley Reef can play as an above-average tackle all he wants, um, can Kirk Cousins fall into that category where he's able to at least see it peripherally and understand, okay, the edge rushers in the NFC North are damn good. They're really good across the you know the team that they're going to be facing again this year, too. So O'Neal's jump, I mean, they drafted him expecting that eventually they're going to be able to move on from Riley Reef and he will be your left tackle. It's just going to take a few years to get there. If it happens this year that Reef goes down, or if there was some other mitigating circumstance that would force Brian O'Neill out of the right tackle spot, I don't see what you have to lose by playing him at left tackle. Wouldn't you rather have Rashad Hill, where he? I mean, he hasn't started a lot of games at right to at left tackle. The games that he's had to start has been at left, or excuse me, at right, and he's been okay. He's played about probably as good as you would expect a veteran swing tackle to play. I would rather see throw Brian O'Neill into the fire. Even if he is doing really well at right tackle, you might not want to mess up a good thing, but what do you have to lose at that point?
0: Here's a question for you about Riley Reef. If uh we went into the preseason and who knows what he looks like so far because it's, you know, just a couple of days of practice, we can't really tell. But if he went into the preseason and really struggled, would he be the surprise cut? Each of the last two years, there's been a surprise cut, and maybe we could even go back to John Sullivan being cut by the Vikings as sort of that guy who was a veteran and was established, and then just, oh wow, okay, so he's not on the team. Brian uh, Brian Robinson really surprised me last year when they cut B it's Like, oh really? For to keep to Sean Bauer because why? And then we thought, oh, there's going to be the rotation, and then there wasn't. And it's like, well, what what good did you actually get out of cutting B Rob last year? It's probably nothing good out of cutting B Rob. Um, and and you lost someone who was very important to your locker room, and uh, but that one didn't work out. The one with Alex Boone did work out with having Nick Easton, and it was a, a scheme that he was better at playing than Boone was. Could it be Reef? I mean, is there anyone this year? When you were talking about just you know O'Neal's potential to move over to left tackle, I would almost, if you gave me the choice right now, I would probably rather have O'Neal at left tackle than Reef because it's such an important position, and I think Reef is going down in terms mm-hmm. of his trend because of his age and the injuries that he's tried to play through, and O'Neal is trending up, and ultimately that O'Neal will be a better pass blocker, and that's all that really matters to me. Uh, Reef. People have brought up that his PFF grade was decent overall. it was, but his pass blocking was not and that's what matters to you. yeah and in a system where you need an athletic guy, I, I don't know. I, somebody asked me the other day just who could be the surprise cut and he didn't come to mind right away and I kind of said, I don't know, maybe nobody.
3: He would be the one, I think. You could save 5.1 million against the cap, so it's not the worst situation. but what are you saying here? Are you saying you'd rather see you want to see a switch now? all around and or what would it take, I guess, in your mind for them to try something different. So
0: the issue would be that there's no right tackle to take Brian O'Neill's spot. Correct. If they were to play some games here and, and mix this around, it's just, if you were to give me a choice in a bubble between those two players, who you would prefer to see play left tackle for the Vikings this year and didn't worry about who's going to replace Brian O'Neill?
3: Then yeah, I'd say Brian O'Neill w- without, a, without question. It's the most important position on the offensive line. You have a quarterback who's had issues sensing pressure before. And I think that that's the future for Brian O'Neill. You're not going to keep a second round pick who's panned out really, really well so far, um, probably exceeding your expectations a little bit. You're not going to keep him at right tackle forever. You can go draft another right tackle or another tackle that can maybe do the same trajectory. I think they'll have to do like, yeah, uh, not probably first round next year, but second or third round tackle uh, to follow that same path that he took. So, Sometimes it feel I look at that offensive line and I wonder why they didn't move on from Riley Reef, uh, or at least move him inside to guard, go after another tackle in free agency, done things differently. But th- they're in the situation that they're in right now. So does Riley Reef or Brian O'Neill give you a better chance to win at left tackle? I think it's Brian O'Neill.
0: Just looking at his PFF numbers, he has been one of those consistent players, but his last three seasons in terms of pass blocking has been just very meh in, in mm-hmm. terms of pass blocking. And uh, the Vikings
3: no, offensive line wasn't good at pass blocking last year either. In his first year, even
0: 2017, not that great. His last year in Detroit, not that great. You have to go back to 2014, the last time you can find Reef being above average as a pass blocker. And that should still be concerning. The improved interior offensive line, I get what Dan Orlovsky is saying, but I think he's I don't want to say like flat wrong because any improvement is good, but the edges are where the damage is done. The edges is where people come around and strip sack you. That's where the big plays happen for the most part, aside from Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is just a different animal that we're talking about who is a, well, a complete freak.
3: Kirk also never, is it, are you blaming Kirk then for not stepping up into the pocket? No, I'm, what I'm saying
0: is when you have Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, that the edge guys are going to do the most damage to you, that when someone rushes through the middle and he can see it, he might just get sacked or he might be able to throw it away or he might even be able, as last year he did actually an excellent job of, with people coming up the middle, I thought he did really well of getting it to somebody and even making some really good throws. But just in the NFL in general, the edge when you're coming off and you can blindside sack somebody or reach out and cause a strip sack, to me, those are more dangerous areas to be weak. And right now, unless Brian O'Neill takes a huge step forward, they are weak uh, at the right end, left tackle. And O'Neill has more potential, I think, of being really good as a as a left tackle long term because of his athleticism. So I wonder if, because of the way that they've been trending, if you could put O'Neill at the left tackle, if he'd be better. Now they're not, they're not going to do this, but if we got into the preseason games and all of a sudden Reef looked like age just smacked him in the face, then we could see some shuffling. I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise at all to see them move things around in the offensive line in preseason.
3: Well, the other issue that I'm concerned about here, because you don't know how long, how many series, quarters, the, that first-team offensive line is going to play, what depth do you have beside, behind both of them? That's the big problem. Like, Rashad yeah. Hill, sure. Beyond that, Aviant Collins... Who else? Right. That's, like I can't, that's I can I cannot issue. think of other. They have they have a good bit of guard depth this year. I wouldn't say it's quality depth, but it is what it is. Drew Samia was a good pick in the fourth round, but he could possibly play right tackle. I mean, he played it in college, but he played ten games. Like I don't think that, you know. This this team know every team in the NFL knows what injuries are like on the offensive line, but for a team where the injuries derailed the 2016 season, caused them to have to move a ton of pieces around, and were kind of a big part of why they lost the NFC Championship game um, last year. We know the story too. I mean, it's been big for them to get depth, and they do have some pieces, but I just I worry about those tackle spots that they don't have enough.
0: Is there anybody else who is even a candidate for the shock cut?
3: Um, could you, if Everson Griffin wasn't destroying people in one on ones yesterday, it would seem like the most logical yeah. just he, if maybe if he re- looks he, good, it, he's he not, he looks really cut. good. Yeah. Um, I can't anybody think, else? Yeah, I really
0: can't think of anyone. Every, La- I mean, every well, year we usually have can, one.
3: You can probably throw Laquan in there, is but it's a surprise. It's not, well, no, no, it's not a surprise. I mean, it would be a surprise if he makes the roster because that just shows you how bad <laughs> the UDFAs and seventh rounders would be.
0: Yeah. And that wouldn't be a huge surprise either, no. right? If if undrafted free agents were terrible, yeah. it <laughs> wouldn't be a shocker either. Um, and that kind of goes to where we started, which is just, you know, storylines of uh, camp are the fun ones that you and I like, like who's the number two or three or four defensive tackle. But aside from that, there isn't a gripping battle going on. Uh, all right, we'll take great, uh a quick break. We'll come back, um, and we'll wrap up the show for today. And then Mackie and Judd with Rami are coming up at 4. We've got a fired GM in town, so Judd Zolgad is just on 10 out of 10. He is ready to go for 4 o'clock. Um, so we'll be right back. You are listening to Purple Daily on Score
1: Jonathan here with the Score North download. This download brought to you by My Pillow. The MLB trade deadline is just under twenty four hours of the way, under twenty four hours away, and the Twins still haven't made that big move for starting pitching yet. We'll have four hours of the Score North Twin Show tomorrow to take in all of the moves the Twins hopefully will make by the trade deadline in just over twenty three hours and twelve minutes. Now join Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore, Rami Maklav, Judd Zalgate, and former Minnesota Twin Glenn Perkins. For a special recording of the Score North Twin Show, Glenn Perkins on Baseball, Tuesday, August 6th, beginning at 5 p.m. for Modest Brewing Company in Minneapolis. All attendees will receive one complimentary beer courtesy of Modest Brewing Company with prize giveaways throughout the night. This event is free, but you must register to attend. Registration is open now at scorenorth.com slash Glenn.
3: Gosh, there's so much going on next hour. I kind of wish I could stay. Uh, to watch Matthew play the bass
0: guitar. I was just listening to this group for a long time while Jonathan opined about all the potential twins <laughs> trades you wanted.
3: Oh, man. just looked stopped. up he's, and you
0: were just... He's halfway through that going, you know, guitar. they could get cinder Guard and they could get this, you know, Omgarner's um, still out there. and Man. Not for Buxton. No, not for Buxton. Well,
3: there was. A, you gotta try, right? Right.
0: <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs> well, the Twins are going to be a national story tomorrow. Yeah. In Hockey Land, the Wild canning their GM today. It's a big Paul story li- storyline. Um, and it brings up <laughs> brings up a good point about the uh, you know, what kind of egregious errors it takes in the front office. Uh, for teams to decide to move on from you after one year, not e- well. It was a one year, yeah. May twenty eighteen yes, is when he was, it hired. was So a very bad year. It brings up uh, something about the Vikings because this is a make or break year for Kirk Cousins in terms of getting the next big contract from Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. Yes, their contracts now go through twenty twenty, but if things don't go right here, there's no guarantee that they stay beyond the twenty nineteen season. Um, you posed a question at the beginning of the show on Twitter. Uh, of one of relating the two in a way, just knowing what we know right now with Paul Fenton's situation with the Wild, uh, how are we going to evaluate the Vikings front office in 2019? Let's say they go nine and seven, ten and six, but because the rest of the league is so good, that doesn't get them into the playoffs. Let's say the rest of the team does really, really well. The defense is back to where it was a few years ago. Um, offensively, Kirk Cousins you know, looks pretty good. Maybe it's not the the big gaudy numbers and, and they're not but let's say it doesn't all translate to wins. It's all there. How do we evaluate what the front office if they deserve to stay or go, if they built a really good team around him uh, but the rest of the league was just better.
0: So I think we know something about how ownership feels yes. with the situation when talked
3: you, to Mark Wolf yesterday.
0: When you and and um Mark Wilf's struggles to answer the question told us everything we needed to know. Yes. I mean, they signed Zimmer and Spielman to one year extensions,
3: which, which is just, not security at all.
0: It waves a giant flag. You better win this year. I mean, it's just couldn't be more clear that that's the uh, the token one year extension, so you get paid after we fire you potentially, right? And Mark Wolf's answer was uh, confident. We're very confident because confidence is a thing that some people can be when they're confident. (laughs) Uh, That was the if you read the real answer, I think that was almost exactly like verbatim. So that tells us where they stand. But here's my thing about the Spielman front office and the Zimmer head coaching staff um, is. That This team has grown itself into one of the most modern NFL teams in the league, right? When you're talking about what they do with analytics behind the scenes, what they do with their facility. And if you were just writing it all down from top to bottom in the front office, how modern can you be in football? The Minnesota Vikings end up in that maybe upper echelon or just a little bit below. And I've asked a lot of people about this. Where does this team stand? And the answer that always comes back is they're one of the more not when you say analytical, it just sounds like, oh, they don't think running backs are worth it. But like, no, 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 it's it's way more than that. Right. In terms of the health data and every everything else that they're among the top, most uh, forward thinking types of teams. And you have to give Rick Spielman credit for that in a lot of ways because he's been at the very top of that. And that's important. And they've built a team from literally scratch. They had hardly anything when they go 3-13 and to being talked about in the Super Bowl conversation all the time. So there's a little bit of me that says, you know, even if this doesn't work out exactly the way they want it to, this is the thing that you strive to build is where you're in the conversation all the time and you're the most modern and you can't always control whether you get Patrick Mahomes or not. Right? So then there's the other part that says... But here's the reality. When you push your chips to the middle of the table with an $84 million quarterback, if it blows up in your face, this is how the reality of the league works, is that's on you. And how can we let you be the general manager, or this be the front office, or this be the coaching staff going forward if we spent all of this money? It's not my $84 million, It's somebody's, though. And if they spent that, they're going to say, well, I want the people I spend it on to be held responsible for spending it. Right.
3: Yeah. Patience is wearing thin in ownership. You can tell. I'll read you the answer uh, because you had a good, you had a good like a uh, summary of it. It's well, we do have a lot of confidence in them and what they've built and what they're continuing to work with. So we have great confidence in them. We're confident that leadership will get us to where we want to go, which is winning Super Bowls. back at owners meetings. I know I've mentioned it on the show. I asked Mark Wilf, did you think you'd have a Lombardi Trophy by now? Like, is that something that, you know, irks you? He's like, I think about it every day. They've had this team for 15 years. They haven't won a Super Bowl yet. They invested a lot of money. They went out and got Gary Kubiak, however the hell they got him, they got him With here money, I would With guess. money. Because um, he came out of retire not retirement, he was doing scouting work. I right. mean, and he's... He says he doesn't want, he's not going back into coaching full time while he's on the field every single day during training camp. So they spent a lot of money. They've given every resource for the facility, for the coaching staff, for personnel that this front office has asked for, saying, We need X to be successful. Well, here's X, Y, and Z. So. I don't know. I think that we'll know a lot more after this season about just where the patience was this year, but I think it's very thin right now, and I think it's only going to get thinner.
0: All right, so tomorrow we will not be doing football because it's the trade deadline, so don't come looking for football, but it will be on the Purple Podcast feed. I'm sorry, Purple Daily feed. That's its old name. um, On iTunes, Spotify, whatever the hell you get to use your podcast, and on our website, scorenorth.com, and the free app, It'll be everywhere. It just won't be on the radio station. That'll be baseball talk for the trade deadline. All right, Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next here on Score North.